Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome back again to another episode of Love Stranger, where strangers are in love. Not quite. Uh, so today I have Bernadette with me, uh, who's actually calling in. Um, so hello, Bernadette, over the phone. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. That's good. Um, so tell us, tell us your story. Let's let's hit it from the beginning. Okay, dokie. Um, way back at the beginning. So just to set the scene, this is 1997. So okay. Brisbane was a quite a different place back in 97. But um, anyway, I was living in an apartment down on the river at New Farm mm-hmm. with um, this gorgeous French man that I thought I was in love with. We had lived in Sydney for a fair few years together and then I ended up getting a job here in Brisbane, so we moved up. I suggested to him that he stay in Sydney and just, um, you know, I'd do the contract of the work and then I'd come back. But um, I thought it was really romantic that he wanted to follow me to Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, it started beautiful. <laughs> It's um you know it it turned pretty sour. Um, after a number of months, he couldn't stand the fact that I earned more money than him, and um and he started to get really angry with me. Mm. And I've I've got red hair, so I've got a bit of a temper on me as well. So <laughs> um yeah, strangely enough, every full moon, you know, there would be a massive. Uh, a massive fight and unfortunately the police would have to come um, to to sort it out and so yeah things got pretty bad and um, during during this I was still trying to work um, but I wasn't eating um, and I wasn't sleeping Mm. and um, yeah so it was it was pretty tricky so finally um, I came to my senses and realized that this all needed to stop, mm. that whatever we'd had in Sydney was not really going to continue um, and it was probably better for us to go our um, our separate ways. Mm. And um, thank God he, you know, he wasn't an aggressive, he wasn't a, a possessive abuser in that sense, that mm. he realised that the two of us together um, just didn't quite match, mm. that he hadn't been violent with anyone else and I hadn't been violent either. So... It was time for us to actually, you know, extricate ourselves from each other. Um, so uh, we we pretty amicably packed up the apartment, but there had been some things smashed in the apartment during our bad fights. Mm. And 
So I was really worried that I wasn't going to get my bond back because the bond, you know, was pretty expensive for the sort of money that I was making at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I don't know whether it's still the same, but when you'd, the, the real estate agent came down and had a look at the apartment and then um, they didn't tell me how much money I'd get back, whether I'd get my whole bond back mm-hmm. or whether I'd just get part of it or... Um, or none, um, but I was told that I had to go to the post office to um, to um, submit the the bond form mm. and that I would get the money back that way through the post office. So was, was that a regular thing at that point in time? That's really unheard I, of for me. Yeah, I, I I think it was, but I mean the thing was is that we'd had major troubles with the real estate agent as well, like right. um, the as far as I know, the rules are that you've got to get 24 hours notice for anyone to enter your apartment and that sort of thing, and that wouldn't happen. So we'd both be at work and then come home and find people in the apartment. Oh. Um, so there was there was a whole bunch of other stresses going on. Like yeah. I was reading up on um, the tenants' union and having to call the real estate agent and put on my my best lawyer sounding voice oh, yes. to try to clarify to them that, um, you know, they shouldn't be coming in and out of the apartment. Um, yeah, because it turned out the, the owners, the real estate agents and the body corporate weren't talking to each other. Mm. And so sometimes the owner was coming in, sometimes the body corporate, sometimes the real estate agent, and this was all happening while, <laughs> while we were out of the house. Mm. So... You know, um, especially because there were a few things broken in the house, um, I was really paranoid about what was what was going to happen to the little bit of money that I had. Um, so yeah, so there I am, lined up in the post office, um, wearing a, a, a really old Bonds t-shirt and scraggy <laughs> jeans, and like I'm short, but I dropped down to about 38 kilograms during this. Wow. I just sort of you know, I was so stressed I didn't eat. So I must have looked like an absolute, you know, mm. um, I, I don't know, you know, really weak and sick looking. Mm. And, um, yeah, and so there I was just standing in the line minding my own business. And this this woman who would have been in her 60s somewhere, at one point she just um, she just turned around and looked deeply into my eyes. And she just said, everything is going to be all right. And that's all she said. She didn't engage me in any other conversation. She turned back to, you know, to the line because she was in front of me. And that was that was all she said. Um, but the look that she gave me, when she looked into my eyes, it just felt like she was looking right into my soul. Mm. And at first when she looked at me, I sort of felt, um, you know, uncomfortable. Mm. Um, but then as she spoke, I just got this wave of peace over me. Mm. And when she turned back, there was the logical part of my mind going, that this is ridiculous, Bernadette, you know, um, uh, somebody just turning around to you saying everything's going to be all right. She doesn't know who you are. Yeah. But I couldn't, I couldn't, get rid of this feeling of knowing that somehow or another she knew me and she knew that she had to be there to tell me that. 
and that um, you know by the time I got to the by the time I got to the bench at the post office, um, I I sort of I'd lost the fear of what I thought might happen, mm-hmm. um, and I got all my bond back. <laughs> and uh, I didn't see her leave the, the post office or anything. I couldn't go up to her and, and say, hey, I got my money back or mm. how did you know that I was upset or whatever. So I just got back in the car um, from the post office at New Farm and had to go back to the apartment. And, yeah, it was like this massive relief. Mm. Finally, after months of going through this hellish experience, mm-hmm. um, I finally, I just finally cried and let it all go. And, and you know, it, it sounds corny, but it, it was okay. That was the beginning of a whole new chapter in my life by, by stepping away from that relationship. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I've never really been a person that had, well, I'm sort of superstitious to a certain degree, but... <laughs> I didn't really believe in guardian angels, but that's the only thing that I can put it down to is mm. that there was this there was this point where the my guardian angels or whether it's my great grandmother looking out for me or whatever mm. from the heavens that that um, human form had to be taken mm. um, in order to tell me that I was doing the right thing and that I was on the right path and if I just stuck with it. Um, that you know, my life would, my life would get better. Mm, beautiful. Um, yeah. You so, said just so before that um, you're you're not particularly superstitious, but uh, you mentioned m- maybe like your great grandmother or something. Do you do you know what your great grandmother looks like, and do you know if she looked similar? I'm very curious about this. Um, no, she she didn't look similar, but my great my great grandmother always did her shopping in Fortitude Valley. And we've always joked that um, I'd liked living in the New Farm and Fortitude Valley area because this is where my my ancestors used to either live or used to come to shop. So, um, so that's been a, you know, a running theme for quite a while for you then. Oh yeah. Wow. Well, the, also to also to my my great aunt, she. Uh, she was a great teller of tales, and when I was a little girl, she would always tell me that my great grandmother had to die for me to be born. Oh. Um, and so there was there's a five day gap. Um, I was born, and then my great grandmother passed away five days later. And my parents had tried for five years to have a baby, and had and had had no luck. And then, uh, you know, um, so my, my great aunt would say that there was a sense of sacrifice that had to happen because the universe finally decided to allow my parents to have a baby. How did Somebody you else feel about that growing up? Was that like, I'm just, I've just put myself in your shoes. I'm, I'm one of four. I'm the youngest of four, uh, <laughs> to, to say that as well. But um, I, oh, if I was a child and I was told that, I would feel feel a massive sense of guilt almost but encompassed with a beautiful sense of um circle of life kind of cyclical sort of feeling with that as well how how did wow yeah how did that well, how did that shape your thinking and then and then how did that affect that interaction for you then um well i think because my great aunt 
she couched it also in the thing that because, you know, it was her mother that had passed away. Mm. Um, the thing was is that when my mother went back to work when I was two years old, I went and, and I would be looked after by my great aunt during the day. And so my great aunt was able to say that I was a replacement for her mother. So I was the replacement of my great-grandmother. So the joy that she got from being with her mother, she then was being able to get from being with me. Oh. So, so yeah, I, I didn't necessarily feel any guilt about it. It was more the sense that somehow or another I was the, yeah, the great cycle of life and, and in some way or another I'm, you know, I'm the replacement. I'm not necessarily the reincarnation, but I'm I'm a replacement and was giving my great aunt and my mother comfort because I existed. Wow. Um, what, it, <laughs> what it has done is that it's always freaked me out in terms of having children mm. because there has been in the back of my mind the idea that somebody has to die mm. um, for me to have a child. And, Do you have children? Um, no. Oh. <laughs> and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of an age now where it's probably too late to have children. Mm. Um, and, um, yeah, I have wondered about that, whether there, that has been unconsciously sitting there. That, because I know that, like, a number of years ago, my father had a really bad car accident. And the, the first thing I thought was, no, no, no! You can't, you can't let him die because you know I'm, I'm not ready to have a baby. Wow! Um, and you know, and I'm sort of, uh, I've found myself thinking, it's like, but who, who would, who could be sacrificed? I don't want anyone to be sacrificed in order to have a baby. And then when people have passed away in the family, that's when I've felt guilty because mm. I thought, oh, I should be. I should be the one replacing you with somebody. Um, so, like when my great when my great aunt passed away, um, you know, I I didn't have a baby to replace her, so I didn't sort of carry on the tradition. But then I cheered up when I realised that my cousin was um, having a baby. Oh, so, beautiful! <laughs> so you know, there was a replacement, but it was through somebody else in the family. Mm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So there, there is a there is a superstition there, I suppose, um, in terms of of people in the family either you know that have passed on who are looking down at us um, and guiding us, um, rather than you know that there's angels flying around. Mm, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, did you notice? this woman when you first walked in or was there was there any sense was was there any sense of her on your radar of awareness or did you feel like she had that for you or was it a momentary thing or how would you describe the um I think the essence is the word I'm looking for the essence of that interaction from from memory I had no no um sort of cognition of her, no knowledge of her before she turned around and looked at me. So I don't know whether she noticed me come in um, because I, you know, I I would have looked pretty, pretty drawn and Mm. stressed. Um, But yeah, I, I had no um, 
connection with her before she turned to me. And that's why it was so weird for her to, you know, it, sometimes people will talk to you when you're standing in a line mm. at the post office, but mm. it's it's not something like that, you mm. know, to actually just go straight for everything will be all right. Mm. Um, and looking at me like she completely knew my situation. Um and yeah, so I don't know. I don't know whether she had seen me, or she just she just felt me, <laughs> felt my felt my bad aura, felt my bad energy yeah. next to her. So she needed to do anything, but you know, it's like she didn't look hippie-ish or anything like that. She didn't look new age. She just looked like your average, um, you know, um, retired new farm lady who was collecting a mail. If it was somebody with, you know, long hair and a long skirt and something like that, um, you know, um, I I would probably figure that she felt my energy. But, uh, yeah, this lady just looked like, uh, I don't know, a woman who'd, um, uh, well, there's there's lots of old ladies who I've met along the line down at New Farm Coles who, uh, you know, long-term members of the Labor Party and, and worked in offices and, mm. And, um, you know, have raised their families and all that sort of stuff. Very practical women. Mm. Um, and she just looked like one of those, but with these um, uh, eyes that could look right into you. Mm. <laughs> Do you feel mm, – this might be an interesting question. Uh, going with the, the theme of a cycle of life or a cycle of um, interactions almost, have you – ever been in the shoes of the woman who provided that, I suppose, uh, safe space for you or that kind of relief for you? Have you ever been in a situation where you actually provided that for someone else, where you felt like that circle was kind of completed? Um, yeah, I, I think there are times when I consciously do it mm. um, and it's really just one of those karma things of going, well, um, I hate being in a helpless situation so I'd like to be there for other people Mm. um I don't know if you've noticed but outside of the building here where I live there's a there's a um bus stop and sometimes at three o'clock four o'clock in the morning on the weekend there'll be young kids who um have fallen asleep on the on the bus mm-hmm. on the you know on the seat yep. and and you know they've I I always get worried that the police are going to wake them up and move them on mm. and they just look like they just look like young kids who come into the valley um, to have a bit of a party for the for the night and then they've lost their friends mm. and you know and they don't know how to get home mm. so I I've spent I've spent quite a number of evenings just gently waking people up and checking to see that they're okay and when I found out that, you know, some of them have lost their shoes, some mm-hmm. of them have lost their money, mm-hmm. they don't know where their friends are, all that sort of stuff. And I usually just, you know, give them five bucks or um, walk them down to the train station or work out um, what bus they need to catch, those sorts of things mm-hmm. so that um, they can get home safely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I call myself the Valley Girl. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. I've got my little cape on. <laughs> um, I'd like to take it back to the the interaction itself uh, for a moment. 
uh, how do you feel like um, that specific interaction with this woman has affected you in in any way? I, I know you've you've now become superhero of, of the valley, but aside from that, <laughs> uh, do you feel or, or do you feel like those interactions um, that you now have with people in terms of helping them get to where they need to go, some simple act of just guiding people back onto the right track to get to where they need to go, um, did that sort of uh start a bit more inherently after that interaction was that something you were already doing do you feel like your um conviction to to do that was strengthened by that interaction or or how do you feel like or even in sense of um how it's affected your view of your family and that cycle and everything um how do you feel like that that woman just saying those couple of words to you when you were in that vulnerable vulnerable space how do you feel like that has affected you or impacted you in some way? Yeah, um, I I think I've been I, I probably have been more conscious of of noticing if there's people that may be suffering around me. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm sensitive to everybody, but you know, I I think um, there has been that that I try to be a little bit more sensitive towards people. Um, and if they're having a, a bad day or whatever, um, I might try to make them smile or, or you know, at, at least help them out in some way. But um, if anything, I think I've paid more attention to um, the signs that are coming <laughs> from the universe. <laughs> um, yeah, that that sometimes I've I've, I've noticed it at other times. Um, uh, one that happened a few years ago. I was um, I was having a, a bit of a drama at work, and um, and I was feeling really really insecure. And I was sitting in a park, and I was calling my mother, and I was crying. And all I wanted to do was go home. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is it, it's really corny. Um, and a woman walked by me with a dog that looked like my dog from when I was a child. Mm. And my my dog's name when I was a child was Toto, as in the Wizard of Oz, you know, Toto. Love it. And so I just kept on looking at this little dog going, oh, it's my dog. He's come back. He's he's just going to – and he kept on looking at me. Mm. And, um, and yeah, it, it, it stopped me from um, – feeling so bad yeah. it stopped me from crying so um yeah I figure if anything I've probably become more superstitious since 1997 than I was go. before I find that so interesting because I um I'm I'm fascinated by the whole concept of signs and superstition and and what that means for people and if it's actually just our perception of the world that's just been changed a little bit and now all of a sudden we're perceiving these things and calling them signs or are they actually signs? Is it an external thing sending this to me or am I just seeing it now? Like what exactly is that? Um, And animals are generally more sensitive to people's emotions as well. So that's a whole other thing. But like there's so many layers in that to unpack. But at the same time, like do you – would you still call that superstition if it's actually – my perception that's just changed it, it, that's still technically superstition do you know what i mean like it, it I, yeah, I sort of do but i i suppose i i've come to terms with the idea that i choose to believe certain things mm. 
um, that, you know, it's like I, it, it was much more comforting for me to, to choose that that dog was there in order to give me some courage mm. than for me to just think I was sitting alone in a park um, uh, um, trying to make sense of what was going on, um, you know, alone. Uh, so I chose, you know, I chose to find comfort in that dog. Um, and so, yeah, I... Um, yeah. Otherwise, I go around in circles too much because mm. you know I'll, I'll sit there and have a conversation in my own brain, going, "Don't be stupid, Bernadette. That's just silly. You know, that's not <laughs> a sign at all. You know, and but the the you know the lights going red is a sign as well. And somebody saying, you know, um, your bum looks big in that. That's a sign. And you know, mm. you can just go on and on. Yeah. So it's just a matter of if recognizing. It is, it is. If it's not, it's not. And if it brings you courage either way, great. We all win. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. If it helps, it helps. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that's where I, I sort of sit, I think. Beautiful. I don't know. Maybe my friends would disagree. Maybe they just think I'm a crazy, um, superstitious <laughs> person. Um, I suppose one of the things I, that I think it comes back to is I remember in grade seven, I was at a Catholic school and our grade seven teacher was trying to dissuade us from believing in evolution. Mm. Now, I'd never experienced that at a Catholic school. Um, all of my schooling was in the Catholic system and I only had one teacher mm. who tried to suggest that evolution wasn't real. Um, and, um, you know, I, I it struck me then at 11 or 12 that I had no problem with with linking evolution and and Christianity together. Mm. That it was like, well, there may well have been um, a metaphorical Adam and Eve, but they were probably Neanderthals. You know, mm. <laughs> they were probably somewhere along the evolutionary line. Mm. Um, so I think I can I can um, manage to believe lots of different um, paradigms at the same time in my head. Um, my final question for you, Bernadette, if yeah. you were to see this woman again, uh, assuming that you would recognize each other, uh, yeah. in a, in a perfect world, you, I don't know, walk down the street and you happen to bump into each other. Um, someone, she, she drops some of her shopping and you help her pick it up and then your head's raised and your eyes meet and you realize it's her or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. in, in that world, in that scenario, what do you think you would say to her? Uh, well, first of all, I think I'd have to, you know, say thank you and then probably have to backtrack and go, you might remember me, but, <laughs> and then I'd, because I keep on, when I, when I imagine that, I imagine it back at the New Farm Post Office, mm. you know, that, that, that it would come full circle and I'd be back at the post office and she'd be there. And so then I'd, I'd ask her, could I buy her a coffee? And we'd go to the new farm deli. Mm. And Did you um, have imagined and this before? This is something you've played over in your it's mind. Just, it's, it's just come to me. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that I'd, I'd take her to the new farm deli and we'd sit and I'd find out more about her and I'd let her know that, that it was her that allowed me to have the strength to to get through that day mm. and, you know, and get through the next few weeks, which were really, really hard. 
um, because you know, as much as somebody can be abusive, um, you, your heart can still love them, mm. and that that's hard to try to break that 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 link mm. um, to save yourself. Um, so yeah, and and I suppose the thing that I'd love to tell her is that because I listened to her. Little did I know that I was just about to start working at a place where I would meet the love of my life oh. and um, the man that I'm, you know, I'm happily, happily married and in love with. That was a really beautiful story. Thank you for sharing, Bernadette. Um, oh, my pleasure. Thank you for thank you for asking me on. No worries. Um, strangers are cool strangers are cool and we will end the episode there strangers strangers are cool yeah just don't take lollies from them don't take lollies from strangers and strangers are cool (laughs) yeah beautiful all right well thank you so much for listening everyone uh thank you bernadette for being on the episode with me today uh and we'll catch you on next time Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.